I want to take you to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Are you ready for the word today? Say, I'm ready. If you're ready for the word, here it comes. To everything there is a season. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. I want to speak to you this morning about expect a change, expecting a change. The reason why I took that offering this morning, it's ringing here in the front, Val. It, the reason why I took that offering this morning, because I want you to expect a change, not only in your day-to-day -day life, but in your everyday life, your emotions, your thoughts, your dreams. I want you to learn to expect a change and know that what you speak, you will reap. The Bible says we will reap what we sow. If we speak the word of God in faith, we'll reward ourselves with harvest because we proclaim the good news that he's alive and he's well. Now, I want you to think about that because if we're going to expect a change, we've got to expect what we say to come to pass. Now, that's a scary thought, isn't it? That we have to expect what we say, that that thing's going to come to pass. That if we throw it out there, you see, your words, my words, they have creative power. And the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And you and I are going to eat the fruit of what we say. So we should expect it when we say it that there will be a harvest from what we say. Whatever your mind can conceive, your heart believes, you then can achieve. Now think about that this morning because there's a day that you were born. Then there's a day that you pass from this life into the next one. Then there's what I call the dash in between. And the dash in between has seasons. Everybody say seasons. Seasons. Everything, the Bible says there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Genesis 8:22. as long as earth endures, there is what we call seed time and harvest time. That means it's impossible to have a harvest without first planting seed. Seed time only results in harvest, but the harvest is greater than the seed. There's more reward in the harvest than there will ever be in the seed that you sow. In everything, there's a season. In earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and summer, winter, day and night will never cease. Now think about that. God's establishing something here, that he's the one that is going to change times and seasons. I read an article of some crazy uh, nutcase that was talking about how time was, was somehow of, of slave man trying to hold down the oppressed because we should have no such thing as time. It's, 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 the, it's the oppressor's man's way. And, you know, they used a derogatory ethnic of, of this is this man to hold everybody else down because now we shouldn't go with time anymore because time is a man-made thing. So I said, really? And, you know, I always yell at the TV. I always yell at the article if I read it, if I don't like it. And I said, really? Time was established for you and for I to have benefits and to understand there's a portion of our lives that are seasons and they will have conclusions. Daniel 2.21 says that God changes times. God changes seasons. Man didn't come up with the concept as I began to yell at that article. Man didn't come up with the concept of there being time and there being seasons. God did. Seasons are God's idea, not man's idea. There's a reason for it, and I'll share with you in a little bit. They're God's idea. The Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of God. And then I would add in there, so are their seasons. 
reasons for them. Sometimes we don't like them, but God has an ordained plan that he has for us. They're God's idea. Seasons are segments of time in our life. And if, if that's the case, if they're segments of times in our life, then what's the overall status for it? What's the reason for it? Purpose. For God to establish, I read it this morning, a divine purpose. That you and I have a purpose on this earth. A reason that we're here and calling that God put us on this earth for. Remember, you came through your mother, but you came from Almighty God. You came from God. You may not have been wanted by your earthly mother. Your earthly father may have abandoned you, may have walked out on you. But your heavenly father, before the foundation of the world, he knew you. He loved you. He called you his very own. And he put inside of us eternity, a hope and a purpose for us to fulfill. A divine reason for us being on this planet. To walk in that purpose. What is it? You can be very successful in life doing some things. But you're not going to have fulfillment and joy until you realize God's thing. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But if you don't know how to handle this season, listen closely. A season of difficulty. A season of discouragement. If you don't know how to handle a difficult season, what begins to happen? It frustrates you. The dream that God puts in your heart. You get frustrated. You ever been frustrated by a bad season? Am I the only one? You're in a difficult season and you get frustrated about it and you're wondering when it's going to end and when's the next door going to open and it seems like God shut this back door and there's what I call hell in the hallway and you're trying to figure out in the hallway who's for you, who's against you and then you realize I need to rest and let God work. Because when I work, God starts resting. But when I rest, God starts working on my behalf. And there's the miracles that God gives us reasons for a season. And what we speak, we will reap in our difficult season. Because anything that arises, listen closely to this thought because this is amazing. Anything that arises as a season of time, it doesn't have the power. It does not have the capability of destroying what God has decided before time. Remember, he made it. He says, I'm the author and I'm the finisher of faith. I'm the alpha and I'm omega. What is he telling you? I made time for your benefit. I'm the first and the last. I was here in the beginning, and I'll be here when the last shot is fired. I was here on creation morning when I formed Adam and made him out of the dust and breathed the Ruach into him, and I'll be here when the last book of Revelation comes to pass. God says, I'm going to be here through it all. All things God ordains. He knows the end from the beginning. He's outside of time. He's in time. He's before time. But lack of understanding of that, something happens. It frustrates the promise. God gives us all these amazing promises. And when we get into a difficult season, we get frustrated. We get frustrated because some things get taken back. Some things get accelerated. And we now be start to what I call pressing, pressing this promise, trying to press forward and, and get frustrated and rushed and hurried. And life becomes a roller coaster now. We're up one minute and we're down the next. Lack of understanding frustrates. And if you don't grasp that season that God has for you, you're going to force the dream. You're going to force the promise. Think about it this way. God gives us all a promise. God doesn't give explanations. He gives us promises. You can't base your life on an explanation. You can only base your life on a promise. 
That's important to know because if God tried to explain the difficult season, many of us would bow out. We'd tap out. We'd give up. God doesn't give explanations why we went through what we went through. He gives us promises. Do you know today? Think about this. There are over 3,000 promises right here in this word. When you speak them in prayer, when you proclaim them by faith, you can move mountains of impossibility. You can say to the mountain, be thou removed, and it shall be cast into the sea. Whatever you ask for in prayer, you can believe, you can speak it, and you can receive it because nothing's impossible to them that believe. But you got to speak it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn to speak. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you do the same. you got to learn to speak those things that are not as though they are. God always starts it out with a promise. But how many of you, like some, even myself, have trouble keeping your promises? I'll never do that. Then you end up doing that. We have trouble keeping our promise. How many of you know people, because you guys are so holy in the first service, how many of you know people that have trouble keeping their promises? Oh, everybody's hands and feet are up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always have trouble, right, keeping our word, keeping our promise. The Bible says God's graven thee upon the palm of our hands. That's where we get the handshake. It was an expression of covenant. Back in the day, you used to shake a man's hand. That was a done deal. Now you got to get a team of lawyers. you got to argue over what is, is, and all that crazy stuff because nobody keeps their word anymore. Nobody does what they say anymore, and everybody posts nonsense and lies in the aspect of what they think is truth, and everything is topsy-turvy. This world is kind of upside down. Things that are truth now are being called lies. Things that are lies are being called truth. But God gives us these amazing promises in his word. You can't base it on explanation, but you can base it on a promise. But we have trouble keeping our promise. It reminds me of the story of Martha. She lost her husband, Bob, and she had him cremated. And she'd been married a long time. They didn't have really a good marriage, but they'd been married a while. And she had him cremated. She had him on the mantle there in the urn. And one day she just, she was just kind of having one of those days. And she took that urn. She poured it out on the living room floor. And she began to trace her fingers through it. And she says, you know, Bob, this is really about keeping promises. You promised me a lot of things when we were married. You promised me that I would have a dishwasher all those years of washing dishes in the sink. You know what? I got it with the insurance money. Yeah, yeah, she did. She, I got it. You know that new car? You always promised me I drove that bucket for 20 years. You promised me that new car. You know what? That insurance money, I got that new car. She says, I like it a lot. She says, you know that new diamond ring you promised? I always wore that old thing that your mother had that you said was sentimental. But you know that new diamond ring? I got it with the insurance money. And you know that new vacuum cleaner you always promised but you never delivered? Here it comes, Bob. Here it comes. Promises, promises. Poor Bob. But we have trouble keeping our promises. In seasons of life, a specific difficult one. There is difficulty remembering the promise, speaking the promise, because I've realized, and I know many of you have, the greater the promise, the greater the problem. Anybody with me this morning on that? The greater the promise of God, the greater the problem that you're going to get. I know that's not on a refrigerator. I know we don't like to speak it, but it's the God honest truth. The greater the promise, the greater the problem. God gives you a million dollar promise. Guess what you're going to get? A million dollar problem. 
But we want the opposite, especially in this world where nobody has their 12-mile walk in the snow anymore. Nobody, everybody gets a participation trophy. <laughs> Mama's little biscuit eater did it. Yay! Everybody gets a participation trophy, so we want a million-dollar promise but a $10 problem. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. It never has, and unfortunately, it probably never will on this earth really work like that. We love to claim those promises of God. We love to claim them. We love those million dollar, 30, 60, and 100 fold. But guess what? We got to sow something to get that. We've got to speak it, then we got to act on it to proclaim it and claim that promise. We love to claim these amazing promises, but then a problem comes. And then we start speaking doubt, speaking unbelief, speaking negativity. Oh, how we react when we're in a bad season will we'll determine how long we stay in that bad season. It's so true, isn't it? How do we react when we have this amazing dream, this amazing vision, this, this, this wonderful thing that we know God's put in our heart and then comes a problem? How do we react? How do we speak? How do we accelerate the, the promised land, if you will, by, by going through that problem? We do it by our words. We do it by our actions. Many of us fail to see the season, whether good or bad, sent by God to prove really what's in us. But I assure you, those seasons were sent by God. I just read that in the scripture. To prove what's inside of us. You ever get somebody angry and say, I didn't know they were so hostile. I didn't realize they can curse like a sailor. I thought they were Holy Ghost talking in tongues, shaking her head. What in God's name came out of their mouth? Sometimes we go through something and what happens is we see what's inside of us. It's like the toothpaste. We don't know it's really toothpaste until the, the, the tube gets squeezed. And when the tube gets squeezed, we find out what's inside that container, what's inside that canister. It's like problems that come, a bad season that comes. We really don't know what's in us until we go through a difficulty. And if we start complaining, we can go through, straight through the problem to the promised land. But if we start complaining, negative speech, negative words, we start talking about the problem, we start praying the problem, we start acting on the problem, we start acting silly because of our problem, thinking God's forsaken me, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go in the garden and eat worms. Now we're going to be in that problem a long time. If we start complaining and negative words start to produce actions, actions produce accomplishments, and accomplishments determines our destiny. Oh, that's good preaching right there, Joey. I know it is. Words and actions, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Something is to be said today, but let it not be said that when we go through a trial that we start murmuring and complaining and backbiting and tailbearing and saying, God, where are you? But we start proclaiming the word of God, the peace of God, the love of God, though he slay me job said i'll come forth as pure as gold no matter what comes my way i'll speak it until i see it come to pass in the mighty name of jesus but we fail to do that many times many of us fail to see that season of difficulty sent by god to prove what's in us but if we become bitter and if we become resentful and we start to complain and murmur you'll live in that problem forever do you know in life you're going to be known by something the problems you solve are the problems you help create. 
We're going to be known by one of those two things. The problems we're solving are the problems we help to create. How will you solve the problem? How will you solve the difficulty? You can speak those things that are not as though they are. I think about that a lot because the children of Israel, God gave them amazing promise. You're going to go to land of not enough to more than enough. How many of you know if God said it, I believe it. God says it, they should have believed it. But something happened in the midst of their journey. They went through a difficult season. For if you don't grasp the season that you're in, you're going to force that promise. Look at Abraham. The Bible calls Abraham something amazing. The father of all who believe. You and I are here today because of one man's faith in God. His name was Abraham, and he is the father of all of us today who believe, Jew and Gentile. Think about Abraham. God told him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, get away from your country, away from your father, and away from your, from your land, and I'm going to show you something else. In other words, get away from your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house, and I'm going to show you this land it's going to be a land flowing with milk and with honey. We know that land, don't we? we that land is the, the state of Israel. That land is Israel, not the Old Testament Israel, not the new Christianity in the first century Israel. It's the land of Israel today. The borders of that land are described in this book. That's why Israel doesn't occupy the land. The Jewish men and women don't occupy the land. They own that land. They own that land because God gave it through a spoken word to Abraham and made a covenant with him. And he says, I'm going to take you to this land, Abraham, a land flowing with milk and with honey. He makes the promise to the Jewish people. They're going to get out of this slavery and they're going to go to this place of more than enough. I want you to think about that because they were in a place of slavery, a place of bondage, a place of not enough. They went straight out of not enough in a day, and God took them somewhere. Where did he take them? He took them to the wilderness, a bad season, a place of just enough. And the just enough, they were in that season. How long were they in it? Forty years. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was on this earth 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says after his baptism of John, he was tempted by Satan, and he was out in the wilderness for how long? 40 days, 40 years because of words, 40 days because of words, 40 years in a bad season because of words, 40 days in a bad season because of words, because Jesus went straight through the problem. They rehearsed the problem. They spoke the problem. They murmured. They complained. They backbit. They talked about Moses, the leadership. They talked about God. Where is he? And God said, take another lap around the mountain. Jesus shows you and I how to go through the problem and Jesus solved the problem. I want all of you to look at me right now. Some of you are in a difficult season. You are in a place of just enough. Maybe you're going through and when I started preaching about tithing and offering, you are in just enough because you're not tithing. You're not offering. You're just kind of barely getting by. I want you to start proclaiming, expecting a miracle. Speak it out. And the quickest way to solve the problem is to go through the problem by speaking the word of faith and get through it in Jesus' name. But you got to go through it to get to it. Let's say it together. You got to go through it to get to it. You got to go through something to get to something. You got to go through a difficult season 
to get to your promised land, a land of not just enough, but a land of more than enough. See, God wants to take you and I out of this place of just getting by, just enough, just enough to this, make this, this meet. Joey, I just want just enough to pay my bills and take care of my kids. What a selfish prayer those are. What selfishness that is to think of just yourself and just your family. I want to be a blessing to this community. I don't want to have title. I want to have a towel. And this community, this church, this culture starts to raise up and starts blessing everybody they come in contact with. They start feeding. They start clothing. They start providing. They start housing. They do everything they can to give the hope of the gospel. Why? Because we've went from a place of, of not enough. We've went from a place of just enough. But now we're in the place of more than enough. Because we spoke it into existence. We believe God at his word. And we know today the best is yet to come. Can you put your hands together and thank God for his amazing grace today? And Jesus knows how to solve those problems. And the quickest way to solve it is to get through it to get through it God took the Jewish people out of Egypt now think about this I've said this before but some of you need to repeat this he took them out of Egypt Egypt is a type of sin he took them out of this place because they were in bondage to Pharaoh they were slaves if you will to Pharaoh and to Egypt he took them out of Egypt, which is a type of sin. He took them through the Red Sea, which is a type of water baptism. We call it in the Old Testament a mikvah, where they would go in and, the, and they would, before they would go up for the high holy days, they would go into the bath and they would, they would cleanse themselves to go up and meet with God. In the New Testament, we call it baptism. That Red Sea is a type of baptism. He took them through the water, the type of baptism, to get to this place of milk and honey. This deliverance that God wanted to do was a total deliverance, not a partial deliverance, not a, not a little dab of do you like brill cream. He wanted to do a total deliverance. It took one day to get all of these millions of people out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get that mentality out of them. Why? Because they began to speak different things than God wanted them to speak. They went around that mountain year after year after year. He took them through that wilderness. That wilderness was God-ordained. It was a difficult season. He wanted to extract that slave mentality out of them. He wanted to purge out of them what they had been used to by the whippings of Egypt, by the lack of resources. He wanted to provide for them the manna every single day from heaven. He wanted to provide for them the cloud by day to cool them why because if you don't follow the cloud you're going to get sunburned and many people they don't follow the cloud and they wonder why they get sunburned all the time they wonder why God's not there he's not listening because you're not following the cloud and when you start following the cloud I didn't say crowd because if you follow the crowd you need to find out where the crowd is going and you'll find out the crowd is going in the wrong direction lead you right off a cliff but when you follow the cloud, the cloud was sent to cool them. And then you're going to see fire. The fire represents the Holy Spirit. The fire warms them. The fire is not a, a, an overwhelming fire that consumes everything. It just consumes the right things. Mm, I'm preaching a lot better than you old Presbyterians are letting on, but I'm going to keep on going. The fire burns the right things. 
Some of you need the fire of the Holy Spirit today to burn the right things out of you, to burn that old negative speech out of you, to burn that old poverty mentality out of you, to burn that old relationship out of you, to burn that old way of thinking out of you. Some of you need the fire of the Holy Spirit to begin to burn the dross away and the, and the things that, oh, it's just church. Oh, it's just Joey again. Oh, it's just this. Oh, oh, no, it's not Easter anymore. No, it's Easter every day, Jack. Every day is a day, a good day to be living. Can some Somebody give God a praise in his house today. I think there's something to be done here today. There's a season that's changing. There's a season that's changing. The fact is today, friends, we really don't know how good God is until we go through a difficult season. The fact is clear. We make careers out of difficult seasons, don't we? People write books about it. They live in it. They testify of it. They rehash it, they rehearse it, they make a monument out of it, and then they make a, a life out of it. And they make a life out of it. But we really don't know how good God is until we go through a difficult season. Do you know how steel is tested? By fire. You can put wax and steel in the same fire and the wax melts, but the steel gets more purified because what you and I shows up in the fire. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon a life of a man or a woman, it starts to purify and strengthen everything that God ordained and made in them. Now think about this today. You're a soldier today of the cross, not because you've dressed and came to church. You're a soldier because you went through something. Soldiers are not made by beating drums and marching down the street. They're made in battlefields. They're made on combat fields. Soldiers are made not with dress rehearsals. They're made when they go through something. Saints of God, it's the same with us. We're tested and we're, 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 we're confirmed by trials, by seasons, by fire. You're not a saint of God because you can sing with the worship team. You're not, a, you're, not a, you're not an on fire Christian because you come to church on a Sunday morning. You're on fire because you've gone through something and you haven't backed away. You went right to the grace of God again and said, come on, I'm ready to serve even with greater intensity. I'm ready to go forward one more time. I'm ready to sow a seed. I I know I don't have any money. I know the bills are due tomorrow, but not today. I'll sow that seed today. I'll honor God today. I'll serve him today. I won't let this thing go today. The promises of God are for me today, right now. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials you're going through, which is some strange thing has happened to you. Don't think it's strange the difficult season. Fiery trials are normal. If you really want to know where God is going to use next, look at the one that's went through a difficult season. You really want to know who's next in line for God's great promotion. Look at the one who went through a difficult season and not too many people knew about it wasn't posted on Facebook sad emoji eh. crying tear let me tell you about my trauma so people can feel sorry for me no sometimes the best thing you can do is zip it up don't let them know what you're going through because they're not capable of taking care of you you speak those things that are not as though they are so fiery trials are a signpost that good things are coming my way. 
I know in church life, especially the 21st century church, a lot of people won't say that, but that's what the book says. Think it not strange the things you're going to go through. It's some strange things that's happened. But most trials come. We think God's abandoned us. He's left us. He's not with us. And God says, no, no, I'm purifying you. I'm showing you what's in you because I want that out of you. Because the next season I'm taking you to is not just enough. It's more than enough. And I want to see how you're going to handle the more than enough. Not in the place of abundance, but in the place of just enough. Because if some of you got more than enough, you would never serve God again. You would start focusing on the channel and not the source. You would get enamored with the channel. Oh, God, the channel. I'm going to worship the channel. And God's going, I'm going to change that channel. I'm, I'm telling you. Some people are waiting for this abundant thing, but they're not speaking it into existence because God knows you are not ready for it. Because you're worshiping something that need not to be worshiped. All you need to do is rest and let God work on your behalf. And when trouble comes your way, don't say, why me? Say, try me. I'm ready for the fight. Bring it on, devil. I'm not looking to pick a fight. But if you want to come and pick one, it's on like Donkey Kong. If you want to come pick a fight with me and my family, it's on, Jack. I'm not going to attack you with negative words. I'm going to attack you with the word of Almighty God. And when you start attacking the enemy with the word of Almighty God, your season of difficulty starts to change. But I want you to know before that difficult season change, you need to change. I need to change. They prove to show us what's inside of our hearts. Expose us. To what's in us anyone can jump and shout and sing about when the bills are paid kids are good and insurance policies are all where they need to be and good job and but what happens to the place of what i call bitter waters bitter waters you say what's that joey that's the place when you come out of egypt you come out of the red sea which is a type of baptism and this miracle happens and the first place god takes you is a place of bitter waters how do you respond in the place of bitter waters? When things do not go your way, when you're not getting what you want in prayer, when you're not getting the accolades that you so rightly deserve because you're an amazing person, what do you do when nobody's recognizing you and you're in a difficult season and you're at a place of bitter waters? I would tell you to elevate. I would tell you to start speaking the word of Almighty God and letting God start to fight that battle. And you'll get out of that place of bitter waters and you'll get into a place of fresh waters. When they went to that Red Sea, they went to that place of bitter waters. The first problem on the other side of a great victory came. The book of Acts says there was a great door of opportunity open to me, but it came with great adversaries. So in other words, here's this amazing opportunity for me to walk through a victory, to walk through a great blessing and a great prosperity, but it comes with adversaries. But the greatest adversary you're going to face is not Satan. It's not the one who betrayed you or walked out on you. The greatest adversary you're going to face is the man or woman in the mirror that has let their words dictate their life in a negative direction because they refused to keep their mouth shut 
in the day of battle. I'm telling you today in faith believing. Today is the day of victory. Today is a day of a season change. But it all starts within you. That you look inward and say, God, what have my words been? What has my heart been? Everything that God delivers comes on the wings of a promise. And it comes through the expression of the Holy Spirit on the winds of faith and expectancy. Everything that happens comes with a promise. God gives us a promise, not an explanation, not an examination. He gives a promise. And when he gives a promise, now comes expectancy. Now comes believing. Now comes speaking. That promise comes on the wings of the Holy Spirit. And it's activated by faith. That faith doesn't come by this thing or that thing that faith comes by the word of God coming into your heart coming into your life and you becoming a changed person a promise the promise of salvation Genesis chapter 3 over and over we get these amazing promises and friends do you know the first promise God gave them when he came out of bondage of Egypt he gave them the promise of healing this is the Lord your God who I put no diseases that I put upon Egypt upon thee not a cold, not a sniffle, not allergies, nothing. Not diabetes, not heart disease, not high blood pressure, not cancer. None of these diseases that I put on the Egyptians shall I put upon thee. What is God telling them? He's saying nothing of not enough is going to be with you. I'm going to put healing upon you. And do you know for 40 years in a place of not enough, not one sick or feeble among them. If that's the old covenant and we've got a better covenant why in the world do God's people live in sickness and disease and doubt and unbelief? Words, words, words. Because you're reaping what you're speaking. And I tell you today, it's time for a season change.